What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This is the first of a two-part episode with an extraordinary guest. Sean has an amazing real estate story so far, from working on the financing side at Lehman Brothers during the 2008 recession, to acquiring his own multifamily investment properties for his portfolio, to running a very successful and quickly growing lending company. In the first part of this episode, Sean and I chat about keeping a conservative position during market cycles, the value of personal investing experience as a lender, long-term predictions for the business world post-COVID, and much, much more. This is a really crazy episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 35 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, I have the great pleasure of chatting with Sean Kelly Rand. Sean is a real estate investor, as well as a co-founder of RD Advisors. They are a Boston-based hard money and private money lender with lower rates than most and have broken into the industry within the past few years. What's going on, Sean? How are you? What's new? Good. Doing great. Doing great. We had our, our, our busiest two months ever. So we've kind of been uh, growing quite a bit over the past year. And, and coming out of the pandemic, I think, you know, we, we had a, a lawyer mention to us pre-pandemic, nobody had ever heard of you. Post-pandemic, we can't stop hearing about you. So <laughs> um, that was good. That was good. Yeah. We had, we were, I, I felt like... Uh, during the pandemic, we were like, what is it? The, uh, the Forrest Gump clinging to the mask and you know, <laughs> a bunch of other guys, you know, didn't do as well. And we kind of stuck around and had and had cash when others didn't. We were able to fund deals and we funded all of our construction commitments. And, um, you know, and, and, and then since then, we've just kind of con- continued to grow and grow and we gain more investors and, and bank lines of credit. And it's just been a, a, a good story coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. So, that's phenomenal it's to exciting. see, you know, especially that exponential growth in that that time period. You know, that's that's really crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it was actually stunted growth. So we were in a pretty good growth path, and then mm-hmm. we, the pandemic hit, and we kind of pulled back. Um, and you know, we, we were conservative. And that's why we're lenders. As, as, as you know, I I personally stopped investing in about 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of pulled out of the market. You know, we'd bought a bunch of properties, triple deckers in, in Roxbury and Dorchester and a couple of larger properties and a few single families and condos, you know, packages. Um, you know, we'd started in 2010, so we had a good run. And my current partner, you know, had invested with us in 2017. He came back and said, hey, I want you to keep investing my money. And I said, ah, it's overpriced. You know, it's, it can't go up from here. This is ridiculous. And of course, you know, we were vastly wrong, but we, we started a, you know, a lending business instead, which, which is, has done well. And, and we kind of go about it in, in a different way. You know, we, I feel like a lot of other, you know, real estate has done well, um, done very well in the past, you know, five years, kind of uh, four years, five years since we launched it. Um, but it also has its volatility. Um, the margins aren't as great as they used to be. I think a lot of people can do very well. I think there's a lot of things that people have been investing in in all sorts of different sectors, whether it's from, you know, technology to cryptocurrencies to all sorts of, you know, various things that have done marvelously well. And 
I always see our investors look at us and what we do and they say, well, just don't lose it, right? You know, like I, I'm not counting on you to make me, you know, a, a billionaire. It's not going to vastly increase my wealth. What I'm asking you to do is just don't lose it, preserve it, beat inflation. Um, you know, give me a return that's well above, you know, where bonds are today of, you know, we looked at it and I think it was like 4% average bond rate. Um, and, you know, if you can get me, you know, a 10% cash on cash, you know, dividend in a super senior position, you know, all hallelujah, you know, this, this is great. You know, you're, you're, you're this, this, so this is what we set out to do. And then all along what we get to do, which is great is I get to support a bunch of developers and, who are doing, and, and what I mean is it's harder to invest. I think there's lots of great small deals out there, but, you know, we're allocating, you know, tens of millions of dollars. So it's hard to find tens of millions of dollars of flips, right? When you think you got to add, you know, 90% or 80% leverage to that, you're talking about $100 million of deals. Now you're talking large deals and there aren't tons of them. There are lots of lots of small deals. What we get to do is we get to back tons of great, you know, smaller developers doing loads of cool projects, each of which is able to target their kind of, I almost feel like uh, their own truffle pickers, right? They're going out and they're finding the best small deals all around. Now, we couldn't collectively, we, we couldn't as a firm do that, but collectively as a firm, we're backing, you know, 20 or probably 50, you know, borrowers at this point in time, all around greater Boston. We have some exposure to Columbus, Ohio and Pittsburgh, which are finding great deals, right? They're, they're doing small, great deals. They're local, they're hyper-local. They know their market. They don't even know the market. They know it street by street. And, you know, we're backing them with financing and we get some sort of margin of safety and they get recently a tremendous upside. You know, we've seen yeah. some guys do very, very well, um, you know, off of, you know, small investments have made, you know, multiples of their money. So, and they get to do it multiple times, right? We're, we're backing guys that are, that are flipping or guys that, we say, you know, use my money for what you need it for, which is closing fast, right? We can close, I think the fastest we've closed is three days. Typical oh, wow. is probably <laughs> 10 days, right? Yeah. So use us for what you need us for and then dump us, right? Move on, right? Get bank financing. So if you're buying a multifamily and you can get a better deal by telling them, hey, you know, we'll close in 10 days and the, you know, the seller goes, what? And everybody offer on the table might be a little bit higher, but they're like, well, I have this contingency. I've got a financing contingency. I've got this. And guess what? We're going to close. We think it's about 45 days, but it might be 60 days. And, you know, we don't know. It's kind of based on our, and, they, and somebody else shows up with an offer and says, well, we're closing in 10 days or less. We've waived the financing contingency and we're ready to go. The seller goes, well, your offer is not the highest. And, you know, to be fair, it's not that great but I got security of execution. You're going to get this done. And especially if it's a seller that's been left at the altar, right? By another buyer that said, we're going to buy it. We're going to pay this high price, but they're counting on, you know, 95%, you know, FHA yeah. financing. And, you know, that falls through once or twice. And they said, ah, just, yeah, just take it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then those guys just go, what do they do? They just go and they, you know, they, they, they do some work, they fix it, they raise the price and then they refinance us out. And it's great. You know, we, we've got a great borrower and they come back to us. And, and so that's our business is, is, is kind of backing guys to get in and out quick. So. That's phenomenal. What kind of, you know, gave you guys the, the idea to, to start that? So two different things. So my partner, um, you know, has a, a relatively, you know, he'd been doing it for years already, but as more of a passive investor in it. So he's an investor across 
you know, he runs effectively what is it's his family office, but effectively a, a, a hedge fund. And people approach him and say, hey, I need money. And would you like to borrow on this? Or people would bring him various investment opportunities. And so there are lots of investment opportunities in the lending space where people say, hey, would you lend on this? And he did a lot of that was in New York City. Um, and I, on the other hand, had been doing a lot of stuff in Boston. My background is real estate finance and private equity. So I ran you know, the London office of a private equity firm. Before that, I was with Lehman Brothers on the financing side, all in London. And then in 2010, I started buying properties in Roxbury, Dorchester, and JP, um, where I'm from. So, and, you know, we built up a portfolio, but then eventually at a point in time, we said, well, the yields that we were buying at stopped making sense. We're not a developer. We're not doing construction. I was in London and then I was in New York. So I wasn't on the ground to do development projects, but I looked at guys and I said, Hey, these guys are still getting great deals. I'd be happy to lend to somebody like that. Right. So they're buying something as a one-off project that I couldn't necessarily get my hands on because, you know, they would bring it to me and say, Hey, I'm this. And I said, oh, that was great to, to lend on. And my partner was doing it already. And we said, hey, well, let's set up a firm and let's focus on the lending space because we really believe in the market still. We still think there's guys that are out there that are getting great deals. We don't necessarily at the time. And, and, and again, I, I think we we're, you know, we cut off the tap too early, but I'm a pretty conservative guy, you know, and, and this is why I'm a lender. I was telling my clients, it's like, yeah, 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 this is great. But like one of us has to like protect the money and, and you know, I can't take those <laughs> risks. But also I'm deploying larger amounts of capital, right? So if you're deploying, if you want to go out and invest $100,000, it's very easy to find a good deal in some sense because you only need to find 100,000. I mean, it's like a, you buy one building for 500,000, that's you know with 80% leverage and that's, you, you spent your money. You go out and do that with 10, 20 you know, million and you're going, okay, well now I got to find either how many small buildings or one big building. And the problem is it's very competitive for the large buildings. Some of them got absolutely smoked during the pandemic, right? So that's, you know, if you go look at it and you go look at what are you buying a large building, you have the multifamily buildings, but the yields are very small. Tons of people are diving into multifamily. And I mean, on large syndication statewide, and we underwrite these things. I worked in multifamily for years. I own multifamily. I know what the margins are. I know what the rents are. And it's doing incredibly well because rates are so low. Mm -hmm. So you can make a lot of investments make sense when you're borrowing a lot of money at 3%. You know, when rates go up to 4%, right? That's a huge dramatic increase. So if it works at three, but not at four, then you're in trouble, right? And I think that's, and people forget how much of an increase that is, right? So you buy something at a 5% cap rate, borrow at three, you've got a huge margin, right? You, now, when that rate goes up, if your rents haven't kept up, and your rate now clicks up to four, four and a half or 5%. God forbid you're borrowing at 5%, which is just where we were not that far ago, long ago, right? Yeah. And so if we believe there's inflation, you know, you're kind of in a stuck position. So, so, I, so I think there's plenty of deals you can do and somebody buying something on a 30 year rate at 3% and they're paying, getting a 5% yield. That's one deal for an individual investor. When you're doing a larger sum and you're getting short-term rates or if you're getting a 10-year rate and you're doing a Fannie Freddie you know, deal, maybe it's not so bad, right? You feel in 10 years, you can kind of like pay down the loan to a bit where if you have to refinance at 5%, the numbers still work, right? So I get it, but it's, it, it, it's, I think that there's a lot more risk. Plus your cash on cash isn't all that high, right? Yeah. Um, and so what we've been doing is you know, effectively you know, my investors said, listen, if I want to make money, I'll invest in VC, I'll invest in cryptocurrencies, I'll invest in, you know, tech, I'll invest in 
you know, other private equity and other sectors. But if I don't want to lose it, well, you get all that money I don't want to lose. So all that money I don't want to lose, but I need a steady dividend on to continue keeping the lights on, right? So yeah. it's great. Like somebody's got to pay for the office space. Somebody's got to pay to keep, you know, we have investors that they use us because their dividends go to pay, you know, regular expenses, right? They may have, you know, 100,000 that they put somewhere else or a million they put somewhere else, which is their, you know, their hope money. Well, this is going to, you know, if it goes to 10X multiple, this is grand. Um, <laughs> but you have regular expenses and that's kind of where, or you have retirement funds and that's kind of where we sit. So um, anyways, it's long-winded way of it, but that's how we got started on this is just kind of really finding a way to preserve capital and wait it out, right? I, I am at heart a real estate investor. I just like buying things when they're really cheap. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're not searching around wondering, ah, I think this is a good deal. And if all these things go right, it's a great deal. You know, it's kind of like, I've looked at the reverse and it goes, well, how many things can go wrong for this still to be a great deal? And if this, if you have all these things go wrong and it still can be a great deal, then it's good because all those things do go wrong. I and mean, we've yeah. had, you know, as, a, as an individual owner, we've had so many things go wrong. It's comical. <laughs> um, we've had buildings burned down. We've been sued. We've been in, you know, litigation over zoning, you know, all those type of things. You, you like, you kind of put, add the list to it and you've got, you know, flooding people, you know, so we had tenants intentionally, you know, one tenant, somebody broke into the building in the winter, left the door open, ran the faucet. So the water would come down and destroyed like, uh, yeah, oh stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we had bullet holes in buildings and not the big, you know, like, why are we replacing the glass in this place? Well, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think you have to be able to, and I think, you know, we've been lucky and we are as operated with a margin of safety cushion when we bought buildings. And that's the same way we think about lending, right? It's, you know, we don't lend hundred percent because it has to be some margin of safety. And that's what we encourage our own investors and borrowers to do is going, yeah, yeah, but don't put every last, I know it's a good deal, but don't put every last dollar in it, right? You've got to have some cash because shit happens. It, yeah. it does, unfortunately. So, um, and I think a lot of people will survive a long time, you know, keep, you know, doing well until that one thing happens and it breaks them. And I think we started seeing a little bit of that at the beginning of the pandemic, very early on the pandemic. I think people forget about those two months. We got to see who was swimming, you know, without, you know, who was swimming naked, right? There, there was two months where kind of like tide went out, liquidity dried up, banks stopped funding, and some guys are going, oh, crap, and they're scrambling. And so, and, and this goes both for the lenders and for the borrowers, right? There was a couple of lenders out there that didn't have as much capital as they advertised and they were scrambling, right? Because borrowers are saying, hey, I'd like to do a drawdown. The lenders were saying, well, gee, that's nice. But uh, yeah, about that money we said we had. Um, yeah. And, you know, the same thing for some of the borrowers that were doing really well, but they were counting on, you know, they didn't have enough cushions. They were like, well, this is going to sell next month. So when they didn't get the inspection, and that didn't happen and it slowed down. You got to see who was like, well, they don't really have much reserves, right? They, the reason they were doing two investments at the same time is because they took the $100,000 or the, they took the $50,000 they're supposed to have reserves and bought another project, which is great because if both projects do great, you make twice as much money. But right. <laughs> when you get stalled, right? And you're like, crap, now you got no reserves, you got no cash and you're scrambling around, right? And luckily for all of them, 
like liquidity came back. Somebody pumped the trillion dollars or, you know, into the system and everybody's like, oh, this is great. We're all good. But I do think that we're going to have some more moments in the future. And I don't know when it's going to come when that liquidity dries up. And, and, and that's what I saw. I was at Lehman Brothers when Lehman Brothers collapsed. Right. And there he goes, oh, what was that like? Well, liquidity drained out of the system from one day to the next. You know, over a very small period of time, you went from, you know, kind of like today, where it was like, oh, this is great. We're paying the highest prices for everything. This is great. There's so much liquidity in the system. Oh, this will never go away. Prices will never go down. Like, so if you go back, and I love reading old news articles, you know, like experts say house prices across the US will never fall. You know, like expert after expert said this. And, you know, I was in Europe. So it was the same thing in Spain. They're like, bricks you know like always invest in bricks they'll never go down they're not making more land yeah, yeah, yeah. and liquidity just yanked out of it you just think of somebody pulling the rip cord and it's like Woof, it's gone and and i think people have to be prepared that you don't necessarily see that in the same way the pandemic occurred people don't necessarily see when that rip cord is going to get pulled and I, I think that's the way we operate you know that's why we're lenders today and not buyers is because we feel like well Prices are there that you can make some money, but if the ripcord gets pulled out, you're going to get you know, a little bit screwed. And we encourage our borrowers to operate the same. Every deal you're looking at, you know, we, we're, we're probably a more conservative, you know, we're aggressive in terms of pricing. We're not aggressive in, we're not going to give 100% leverage, right? We just don't. We just, you know, you, you have to have some skin in the game. We want to see our borrowers, we're going to ask, like, but what's your exit plan, right? Like, how am I getting out? Like, it's very easy to make a loan how do I get my money back? Um, so anyway, so that's, that's, that's what we're doing and that's why we're doing it. So. Wow. That's incredible. I, I think it's, it's really special too, that, you know, like even you personally have that experience of things hitting the fan, you know, yeah, yeah. translate over to, you know, a, a much bigger business and stuff, you know, like just being able to kind of go in with that, that kind of mentality that yeah, shit does go wrong, you know, and to, you know, make sure you have that margin. Um, you know, not over leverage and everything. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And we've, I mean, we've been fairly fortunate um, in a business as a whole. You know, we've been, and we've had 10, 12. I mean, how, we've had how many straight years of growth now? I mean, it just feels a little bit surreal, like we're due for another crisis. Um, you know, I just kind of like, you just look at cycles and kind of go. Um, and so, you know, now, even as a lender, we keep cash reserves and our investors hate it. Our investors, you can imagine it, right? You're going, you're investing what percent, and we, you have to report to our investors every single month, what percentage of cash we have on our books. And every single month during the pandemic, they're like, what, you've got, you know, uh, 20% of your capital in cash? Well, what do you earn on cash? Well, zero. Okay. So, on you know, 20% of your, your capital is earning zero. Well, I didn't invest with you to earn zero on it, right? And you know the other percent maybe is earning 10% um, or 12%. Okay, and you're not taking leverage because you've got cash, so you're not borrowing, so you're not levering your return. You're just buying everything, you know, you're lending all cash. Well, this isn't good. Um, now we're coming out of it. We're decreasing our cash because we feel that it, that it is a healthier, right? Things are opening back up. We do think, we do see some sustained growth for a period of time, right? We think, you know, but... Um, we're cautious on office and retail as everybody else is. But I think that has more to do with like Amazon and changes in the environment necessarily than does we believe the pandemic recovery story, right? We, we do definitely see like hotels. I think they're gonna do great this year, right? Absolutely spectacular. If somebody picked up hotels cheap, 
during the pandemic. They're going great. Or, or Airbnb, you know, the smaller version of the hotel is the, you know, the seaside Airbnb property that at the beginning of the pandemic didn't do great. And all of a sudden it's like booming, right? But then there's that inner city property where people are going to be like, oh, like they're going to go back to New York City, right? They're going to go back and visit downtown Boston. You're going to go, shit, well, I want to go see people again. You know, it's nice. Like today it's crazy, right? It was the first time I've gone to a cafe and I walked into a Nero's and I was like, oh, I don't need to put my mask on. I can walk all the way to the counter and look at people and see faces and so you see people's interactions and like, I don't have a mask on. This is like kind of cool. <laughs> um, and we're starting to do events again, right? We're, we, you know, we shut down events. We hadn't done events in a year. We used to do all sorts of events for our borrowers and our clients. So, um, you know, we're starting to do those again, so, which is fun. Sean, not to get off topic, but the uh, the whole mask thing, guys, was lifted uh, uh, Friday, I believe, May 29th of 2021. Yeah, and it's literally like it's I totally agree with you. It's so surreal. You know, even like going out to a restaurant without a mask, like you feel like that guy that's, you know, trying to like oppose the whole thing and everything. And it's like, it's OK. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's crazy. But yeah, it really is a pleasure, you know, to to be able to actually like see people and connect with people again, you know, and, and to be able to do like those networking events and everything. And, um, there was one I, I went to, uh, like a week ago. Um, and it was crazy, you know, just to like be able to be around people again and, you know, hopefully like society's kind of moving on a little bit from everything. And yeah, we, know, did, we, did, we, did, event, <laughs> we did one event la early last week and everybody still had to have masks on. It was like, ah, oh, so close. <laughs> you know, it was just, uh, it was, it was at a, you know, it was, it was relatively, you know, high profile attendees. So we couldn't necessarily, um, we didn't want to have, you know, video of it and all this. So they're like, please keep the mask on. So we're like, oh crap, we're going to keep our mask on. Yeah. Right, champagne glass, just so I can get some air. I had to like have a champagne glass. <laughs> so I could get some, like, he was like, why are you holding a drink the whole time? I was like, yeah, because like, I'm going to like, drinking it oh you're just like sipping on it occasionally i didn't even see any alcohol leave the glass it was like yeah those my excuse so i didn't have to have the mask on you know? <laughs> i'm not like you know i'm fine For real yeah they had their points but like at this point i think we're like you know i'm vaccinated i just i just got my yeah. second dose today i got what was it i like my you know like badge of honor there <laughs> uh, get back on flights um yeah but um so what else are we worth but yeah, I think it's going to be bring some changes this summer. I think it'll be interesting. We're, we're, we're curious, like how business is going to be this summer. If people are going to be out doing deals or people are going to be like, oh, forget this. I haven't had a proper vacation in a year. I'm taking July and August. <laughs> yeah. off. That's it. And there's work from home still before. Like, I feel like people are probably going to go back to the office in September. And yeah. so, you know, July and August are people's like, well, shit, I'm still remote. I get some vacation. Crap, I'm taking it. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm going off and, you know, what is that going to mean for deal flow for the industry? Maybe there's less deal flow, right? Maybe there's, you know, there's less to do. I mean, we're just, we, I don't know if we saw, like we've had a very active couple of months. We're still active, but I think maybe we were so active. We didn't chase after new business as hard as we normally would have. We were just like exhausted. We were like, <gasps> the whole team yeah. was like, day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be really interesting, you know, to see kind of what the long-term effects are of, like the remote work and stuff um you know over like even like ne the end of the year next year like five years from now like i just i think it's a really interesting kind of curveball 
you know, to kind of have the the need to adapt to survive, you know, and kind of what that might mean long term for like different I, sectors. Yeah, I put my personal prediction is that we slowly head back to the office. Um, and, and the reason is, and, and, and we get on flights, we meet people in person, Zoom, it works, right? This is great. Like it makes things easier. We can do a Zoom call, we can record it, but I think people are gonna start to say, hey, I really wanna meet people in person again. And, you know, kind of the, it also remote work works fine for people that have worked together in the past. Somebody's been in the same role doing the same damn thing for 10 years. They don't need to be in the office for somebody to show them how to do it, right? Or to discuss it. It's like, what are you going to do today? Same damn thing I did yesterday. And I've been yeah. doing it for the past year. Like, I really don't need that much coaching or managerial interaction. Yep. Where it's really hard for that is like, okay, well, now you've got this new intern working with you. And you're trying to explain to them over Zoom how to do things. Or, <laughs> and people are like, I just don't get it. And you're like, ah, just look at my computer. And you're like, ah, just screen shit. Like, I, forget it. You know, even with my team, we, we sat down and we, you know, we, we had office space and we kind of gave up the office space. We kept one office space. And we actually just signed a lease um, today, actually, um, for new office space. Because we're just sitting down and, and, you know, one of my analysts has been working on stuff for hours. And I sat down to him. I said, what are you doing? And I said, he's doing this. I was like, oh, you need to do any of that. He's like, great. I just wasted three hours. And I was like, yeah, if you were sitting next to me, you would just yeah. pay, you know, and I'm on my phone call because, you, you know, I might spend my entire day on phone calls or emails or, you know, you would have just poked me while I was on my phone call, pointed at the screen. I would have gone, yeah, you know, like, no, you know, no, or yes, you know, and, and that would have been it. Instead, you're like, well, I didn't have any direction. So I just, you know, assumed that we had to get it done and spent three hours working on it. I was like, well, that was ineffective. We should get office space. <laughs> what else are you working on that you probably shouldn't be? Um, and what aren't you working on that you probably should be? And, and I just feel like that interaction has become, you know, very yeah. important for people's growth, right? I, again, I think there's people that are like, doing certain functions that can work remote and they aren't interacting as much with people on a day-to-day -day basis. But I think for a lot of workers, especially the young, and they probably want to interact with those people, right? And then you're going to have, you know, you know, I talk about it, maybe Sam Zell mentioned this was like, you have the guys, if you talk about flights and he goes, well, one guy says, yeah, I'm going to do everything remote and I'm going to do it by Zoom. And the other guy goes, well, shit, I really want to win his business. I'm going to get on a plane, fly out there, meet him in person guess who's going to win the business, right? And guess what's going to happen? That guy who said, I'm going to do everything remote and on there is going to lose some business. And you're like, crap, I need to get on a plane. He's going to get out there. And then the next guy's like, ah, crap, I can't. Now the new you know, norm is you got to get on a plane and meet with people. And so I think that office space time, you know, people are going to want to be back in the office. Is it 100% of the time? No, but I think it moves back towards it, right? It's hard because then people are like, well, I'm not going to be in the office on Fridays. Well, somebody else was like, well, I'm going to have the team meetings on Fridays or, or whatever yeah. it is, right? Or, you know, and these, how much interaction happens? You know, I remember working at firms, like how much interaction happens at the bar off after, you know, maybe this is less US, more UK, but all the interactions happened after, after work at the bar, right? On a Friday afternoon, you're like, well, I'm not coming to work on, you know, Fridays, I'm going to work from home. Well, it seems brilliant until you're like, your whole team is like, we had a grand night out and we did such great, you know, <laughs> team building together. And you're like, we discussed all these things and you don't know about it, right? You weren't there. So, so I do think the office is coming back. It's not dead. I think I'll see a lot of guys super eager, including myself and my team to get back in the office and, and work with some people. 
I think retail, I think, you know, restaurants are going to come back. A lot of restaurants shut down, but the space is there. The oven's still there. Somebody's going to take over that space. So, you know, change the branding. And, you know, now the cook who was working there, well, you know, he's been on unemployment. He saved up some money. He's done some cool things and he wants to open up his own space, right? He's going to do it. Maybe the, the, you know, the previous owners didn't do so well. It's fine. You're going to get some, you know, you're going to get new spaces in there. So I think things recover over the next year, I think big box retail still is going to struggle, right? I think that that has less to do with the pandemic, more to do with, you know, just it's been a struggle. Um, and I think there's, you know, I think the big, you know, switch to the suburbs and, you know, the experts, I, I mean, people moving out to the countryside and far off. Well, work during the pandemic, we can do Zoom. But now when somebody's like, everybody's going back to the office and you're like, shit, I got to be back in the office. I just moved to New Hampshire and they're like, well, crap, the office yeah. is downtown Boston. It's a long ride down 93 and, you know, like peak traffic, like you're going to have to get another place in Boston, <laughs> you know, like, so I think that people are going to move back that moved out to, you know, somebody moved, I mean, I'm not saying it happens overnight. I'm not saying it's, it's all of a sudden, but I think that pressure to move far away from the city, now that everything's opening back up and you're like in the city, like, yeah kind of suck being in the city when everybody's walking around wearing masks you can't go anywhere you can't sit down anywhere there's no sunshine it's rainy and you're like crap this sucks yeah <laughs> but now you're like hey it's a sunny day I mean, there's all these bars that are opening up they're gonna have their patios everything's out the city's fun again you're like you're like oh man i kind of be back in the city well plus i gotta go to the office so um you know i think people gotta have to back yeah <laughs> back into the city i think you'll see condo sales relative to you know relative to they where they were last summer to this summer you'll see condo sales start doing better than suburban single family homes i'm not saying again i'm still saying there's a case for you know suburban single family homes right people will buy them i, I don't think prices are going to drop overnight but i think those things that weren't doing well last year like you know your southie your easty you know things that were sitting on the market longer are going to start doing well again as people are looking and saying hey you know what actually the city's not so bad and I'd like to be here again. Yeah, it's definitely, I like that perspective a lot. That's super interesting. You know, I mean, like, just like you said, too, like, just the the face-to-face -face connection, like, yeah, you know, Zoom is, is great for convenience and everything, and, you know, just kind of doing stuff, but, like, the real connection isn't actually there. You know, like, the way I kind of look at it is, like, it's a decent start to a relationship, but, like, you would want to go out after and then actually like meet the person in real life. Like it's like a first touch kind of thing, yeah. you know? And then. No, we were um, dealing with investors for, you know, all throughout the pandemic and we we're speaking with them. Um, you know, we've done well as a firm in kind of as mentioning preserving capital, kind of doing the right thing, being relatively conservative, which meant we were kind of like around when, when like, you know, the black swan event of the pandemic hit, we were like, oh crap. But we were like, oh, we're kind of okay. We've got a bunch of cash on our balance sheet. We're like, you know, we've got lots of reserves. We've got available capital. And we, for the most part, we were relatively conservative with our investments. So, you know, we're a lender, right? Like we've got a senior position. So like, and our borrowers are, you know, we encourage the same in our borrowers for the most part, they were okay. Um, and so that was nice. And we were dealing with a lot of guys that were like, Hey, well, we'd like to partner with you. Like, you know, because you're alive, uh, you know, you're <laughs> kicking, uh, you're, yeah. doing, you're seeming like doing well. So, but we chatted with them, but we really didn't get that much done. And then as the pandemic loosened up, you know, we flew down and, you know, we, we met with a bunch of them in person. 
And guess what? After that, we started doing business almost right away. It, it made such a difference for people to meet with you. You can say, you guys sound great, right? But to, to then go spend, you know, some time with people and meet with them in person and, you know, have a dinner or have a coffee or sit and chat for a while or complain about things together, right? It, yeah. was, it was a much different experience than just being on the phone or Zoom calls, you know, chatting away. So, and my lighting is poor. So I, like, I, I don't, I don't like these <laughs> calls and I haven't figured out, like I have one of those lights that's like, you know, supposed to like brighten everything up and do that. And I've done it before, but like, man, you know, I, don't, I have like a home office in my laptop. I can't really like set these things up every day. So. <laughs> um, no, that's yeah. awesome though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now I'm, we're hiring a marketing coordinator actually because we're, we're starting to throw more events and I realized that I should not be running around, you know, buying booze for events and things like that. It's probably something that, you know, we need help with and all of our, you know, we, we have done, you know, one thing we did do during the pandemic is we got much better at our Instagram, our Facebook, our Google, like, you know, before we just meet with people in person, you didn't really have an online presence. And now we're like, well, shit, you know, like meeting people in person, I guess that's out. Well, saved a bunch of time. Where are we going to spend it? Right. And you're like, well, I guess, you know, he's got this thing called Instagram. Like, What's that? Sounds like, yeah. Uh, you know, now, now we've got a pretty good Instagram following. I was like, all right, that's good. But now we need somebody to man it, right? Somebody's got to go out there and man the Instagram. Well, you know, like I'm, I'm not, I, I, you know, I the two slow thumbs there. I'm not going to be manning Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, so so we've actually just put an uh, put a um, advert out there for hiring somebody for a marketing coordinator, handle all those things that are like these, you know, our social media, our events, all these things because. How's a lot more you have to do? You can't just, you know, like, yeah, you know, business is different. Um, so that's exciting. I don't blame you at all. That that's a whole nother role in itself. You know, like the whole marketing, like social media, like, like you know, making the posts and then you know, posting them and like split testing them with the ads to see what works, what doesn't. Like, yeah. it's it's a whole nother thing in itself. You know, <laughs> that's something I'm struggling with right now. I'm like, I'm kind of a one man show. You know, I have to like you know, do the post, do all like all this stuff. I'm like, eventually, you know, I'd like to, to delegate it, but I haven't really written up the processes yeah, and stuff, like, but it's a whole nother role in itself. We, we try to operate light in the sense that we try to figure out, you know, my partner is an engineer um, and he's, you know, very process oriented and, and, and I am as well, you know, I'm a finance guy at heart, but also you know, I could have, you know, done engineering. My brother's an engineer. Um, I think about like, goodness there's got to be a better way like everything we do like really we're doing it this way that sounds very manual like we just you know describe it can you write up a process okay we can write up a process therefore we can hand it off and so we've tried to do you know a lot of these things where we hand them off or we automate things it's not as easy with everything especially when we're, we're dealing with a lot of stuff we can't you know necessarily outsource everything we're dealing with sensitive information for people so yeah um, we do have some people on our team that are great also we deal with a lot of legalese right so a lot of the small guys or guys that are you know if you're a real estate broker or a real estate agent you don't have to deal you're, you're not an invest you know you're not an investor you're not a fiduciary of somebody's funds when you're you know effectively running a fund and we have a fund we have outside investors we have you have to be much more cautious on what you say and what gets published and how that gets published and what counts as advertising what counts as financial also for you know it's funny we learned the hard way for like instagram and google advertising more instagram or which is facebook um 
is other sectors you can target, but finance, you can't. There's laws against it. And even we're like, we're not lending to individuals. We only lend to businesses that are, you know, that are like grownups, right? So we're not, you know. Is that the, uh, like the Facebook ads? Yeah. Like they have the special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that for uh, like the fair housing stuff too. There's like a a couple different categories. So, so you can't, so for finance, you can't target and ads are really expensive. For whatever reason yeah. we discover that's really expensive for, so we just haven't, and we, it's fine. Like I prefer to meet people in person and people find out about us. I mean, I think most of our business comes in through word of mouth. You know, initially I didn't do any marketing. We didn't even have a website. You know, I'm talking to my partner for the longest time who's a, you know, he's a computer programmer as well. So like it took us the longest time to get a website because it, he had to do it. And of yeah. course it's like, you've got a thousand better things to do than building a website. <laughs> and that's exactly where it was on the list. Um, it wasn't until like, listen, people are looking me up. They don't want to do business with us because they can't find our website. It's like popping up, like, you know, like the, the go dad, <laughs> yeah. you know, now we have a pretty sleek website. Like when we did it, we did it right. Right. Like, yeah. But it was going to be built right. Well, when building things right is like, it takes a while. Um, you know, so I was, I, was, I was like happy. I just want to plaster something there, but, but the same thing, like, um, just in terms of like marketing, we just did it word of mouth, just referrals, you know, like, Oh, we need to get a loan. Oh, and it was like, you know, I would go to ZBA hearings and, you know, I for my own projects and they're like, oh, so what do you do? Well, you know, like I'm here to try to get seven units approved, but guess what? I'm also a lender. And like, Great. Surprise. You need some money. And I was like, this is awesome. You yeah. Know, like, like, that's how we got the business. It was like, I was going to, you know, like, like, oh, I didn't get this approved, but I do have a triple decker that I just bought. I'm converting into condos. Like, great. We'll make a loan on it. Um, and that's how we got our initial business was just basically word of mouth. People being like, hey, I've heard the rumor bell that you might actually also be a lender. Yes. Great. <laughs> And you're That's not an awesome. asshole. No, I'm not an asshole. Great. <laughs> you got the money, you're not an asshole. Like there's a and not not only that now, but now we've got like, you know, you've know, got the money, not assholes, and we've got some of the cheapest money in Boston for you know yes. Trifecta, like you can't get better than that. So, um, <laughs> so th- that's kind of like uh, you know we, we position ourselves. So that was actually funny. Like we, we've you know going back to the firms I worked for, we ended up working for Lehman Brothers, which you know, a lot of people don't remember because the thing collapsed. It was largest bankruptcy like ever. Like that was my part. I worked in real estate department in London. Like they're like, what was it like the, the eye of the storm? You're like, everybody's like tornado. It's like I don't know. I was sitting in the eye looking out, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> in the middle of it. Um, didn't feel a thing. It was like, just went down the drain. Um, but th- they were known as the nice guys on wall street, right. Uh, you know, for a long while, and it was a good firm to work with. And I still think we instill that same thing in our own team is like, all right, it, it's a tough industry, right? Like real estate can be tough. You're dealing with a lot of developers and builders and it's a very macho industry, but it's like, we always gotta be the nice guys on there. You know, we gotta make sure we do the right thing, right? At the end of the day, you know, if you make money, but you're not doing it the right way, or you're not doing the right thing, then that doesn't feel good. Right. And that's no. not like how you want to build your reputation. And, you know, we worked with a lot of clients that come back and, you know, we don't always agree on everything. And we always, and I will tell you, there, there's a couple of things when you always argue with your clients, the biggest argument ever with clients and every lender has this, and I don't care what people say, whether it's true or not, is it's on the drawdowns. It's, one person's opinion on, I spent $100,000. Yeah, but you only got $80,000 worth of work done, right? Like, 
I'm sorry, but that's what you get for drawdowns. But there's also, you know, like there's always, so you're always going to have those tough discussions and you can do that, but you can do it in a nice way. Or you can do it in a, in a not so nice way. And the same thing with all your business stuff, right? And you can try to win business at your client's expense, um, encouraging them to do deals that don't make sense. Or you can say, you know what? I'm not going to win a deal in this deal. I'm sorry. Like I'm taking, you know, I'm taking the punch bowl away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're over levered already. Like you can't do another deal. And I have those hard conversations with my clients and I say, Hey, that's a great deal. Not for you. Right. I don't want to lend to you. Not because I don't think like it's a good deal. I don't think that, you know, I just think that you've got too much on, right? And you're, 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 and so, um, you know, we try to do the right thing um, when, when we're lending and we try to make sure, I mean, we're very, you know, we do our due diligence, right? We want to make sure that we're dealing with people that we want to see do well, right? Of course, yeah. Part, you know, that's, it, so, so it's fun. And then we really like, you know, for most, but like we have an awesome set of clients, right? That, that are doing awesome things that are making, I mean, some of our clients are doing so well. I'm always like, I'm like, ah, man, like, we should, like I don't want to be a lender. I want to do that deal. <laughs> <laughs> we do a cool project. Like if you look at our Instagram, we post a lot of our clients' projects there. It's nothing we're doing, right? It's our clients that are doing these great projects. Um, we have taken over one project recently that we, that, um, we finished up. Um, and it's amazing. It is the nicest loft you've ever seen. Our entire team is like, oh, this is so gorgeous <laughs> in Pittsburgh. Um, unfortunately, because we're all like, we're moving in. Where is it? What's the address? Do you own this? This is great. Can we move in? Where? When is it? When? I'll sign the lease. I'll sign it. Can I buy it? Oh, and you're like, free approvals. We're like, no, it's in Pittsburgh. I was like, oh. and then you got to sleep away. Whether or not they should move to Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh prices are a lot lower than Boston prices. So you're looking at a crazy loft and it's like $600,000 in one of the coolest neighborhoods. And you're like, oh. yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's the equivalent of, I don't know, like Southie or something like that for like the sickest lot we've ever seen with rooftop girls. We were just like, oh, garage underneath, <laughs> use the entire city. And you're like 600,000. That's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.